As I said earlier, my name's Tim, if we haven't met before. Uh, we are in a teaching series. Right now, we're going through the book of Acts, the story of the early church. And we, uh, we're going to continue. Uh, we're going to continue that today, continue marching through the, the story of Acts. Uh, before we get there, one of the things, one of the things I've noticed um, with, with, with people is that people are into things. I don't mean like physical objects. Like people have their things. Like they're just their thing that they're like. Sometimes it's one thing. Sometimes it's a changing thing. But they've got like they've got a thing. Like what uh, one of my thing one of my things over. I've always loved soccer. I just I could talk about soccer. I love to play soccer. I'm just all about it. Or downhill skiing. Or or reading books. I just I've got my things. Or or lately, um, Christy would say, "What about your soccer video game, Tim?" And I said, "Yeah, that's some kind of that." Too. Some of things are more productive than other things. And uh, but people have their thing. Yeah, you talk to people and. And they've got, you know, I've talked to people there like all about chiropractic. That's that solves all their physical problems. Or they're eating unprocessed food, or this new fast food chain, or you know, they're into reenacting Civil War scenes, or reenacting Harry Potter scenes, or people just people have things, right? Or their sport, you know, or basketball, or watching the sports team, or you know, people, you know, they've got, you know, or uh, what are what are some other kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, people just, they've got this stuff. I mean, what are your things? I mean, think about, I'm sure you have a thing or two. You know, what What are the things that you're into that people, you get talking about, you get really excited about it, and people look at you like, yeah, that's good for you. I'm happy for you. That kind of, you know, people have, people have got these these things. Um, uh, the question that I, I want to ask this morning, um, is Christianity, is following Jesus a thing? Is it a thing? Is Christianity just another thing that, like, certain kinds of people, that's good for certain kinds of people? Is, is Christianity, is faith in Jesus, is it, is it like it's, oh, it's good for the intellectual people who are, think big philosophical questions? Or is, oh, it's good for touchy-feely people that want to talk about? Or it's good for those spiritual kind of people? Is Christianity another kind of thing? Is Christianity for, you know, the good, upright people, that people that want to, or is Christianity for the people who have made really bad choices and they need a sense of, or is Christianity for people who need a crutch and they're kind of weak and they need some, they need the sense of a God, Father God? Is that, is Christianity another, is it a, is it a kind of thing for a certain kind of person? See, I want to argue that Christianity is a thing, like uh, breathing air and drinking water are things. It's, it's reality. It is a thing for everyone, and it is life, and there's no life outside of it. I want, to, I want to talk this morning about the scope and the power of the good news of Jesus. That Jesus is for everyone, and because he is reality, he is for every part of everyone. It's not for a certain kind of person. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you're following along, uh, to uh, Acts chapter 16, is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Acts 16, uh, we, this happens, this, uh, the, these guys that we've been following along with, Paul um, and Silas, they're out on this missionary journey, and they're in a town called Philippi, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time to talk about uh, the town of Philippi. Next week, we're going to talk about Philippi again, and we'll go into some more background of it. But this morning, I simply want to look at, um, in this town, Paul's in this town, Philippi, and he runs into three different people, three characters there. And these three people um, have encounters with Jesus, the story of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. And I want to look at one, uh, two, three of these characters and just see um, how Jesus met them and changed them. And, uh, and we'll look more about kind of Philippi in the background next Sunday. So, uh, let's see. I'm going to start reading in Acts 16, verse 13. 
Look at the first of these three characters. They're in Philippi, and it says, On the Sabbath, we, that was Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy, this little missionary team, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. All right, the first person we meet is this woman named Lydia. Okay, who is Lydia? What do we know about Lydia? If I had to summarize who Lydia is, I would say she is a self-made, successful businesswoman, a put-together woman, a moral woman who's got her act together. Lydia says, uh, we know that she's from the city of Thyatira. I think we have a map here. There's Thyatira circled in red. Philippi is at the top of the screen, um, also circled in red. Thyatira is down to the right of there. And uh, Thyatira is in the Roman province of Asia. So she would have been considered an Asian woman. And uh, Thyatira was in a region called Lydia. So she is Lydia from Lydia, which is... Lydia from, I just thought that was funny. No, it's true though. She's Lydia from Lydia. Um, and Thyatira was known. It's, it, it, there's um, inscriptions there that talk about it like being the wool dyers guild and the cloth makers guild. It was known as a textile place and a place where they made this purple cloth. And there was these plants there, matter plants, and they took the roots and they grind them up and soak the, the cloth in there and make it purple. Um, and, it was, and it was expensive as a luxury item. And who wore purple in the ancient world? Anybody? Royalty, yeah. So it's this kind of, it's this, this kind of, it's, it's a high-end good. It's expensive to make, difficult to procure. It's kind of for the upper class, and uh, and so she is a businesswoman dealing in luxury goods. So think of someone who owns like a high-end fashion boutique in downtown Seattle or someone. I mean, she's doing well for herself. She uh, and she uh, she's she's got a home large enough to invite these missionary uh, these missionaries into. So she's got a home large enough, and she can host these people. She's a woman of means. She's a self-made woman, and we know she's a she's a moral woman. It says that she's she's they they find her at a place of prayer, and and Paul and Luke calls her a God worshiper. That means that she's a Gentile woman who has been drawn towards. The religion of the Jewish people. She's drawn towards uh, this. This uh, they, they talk about one living God of the universe and the, the ethical vision of the Jewish people, and she's been drawn towards that. And so she's she's a moral woman, a woman who's pursuing prayer. She's a she's a successful, self-made businesswoman, a moral woman. This is Lydia, Paul encounters at Philippi. Now, what does Lydia need? What does she need? I think there's two things we could say she needs. One, I think we could say she needs the truth. She's following, she's reading the Hebrew scriptures and learning around the Hebrew scriptures, but she needs to know the truth that Jesus is the fulfillment of what those scriptures point toward. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies in those scriptures. So she's got this intellectual quest. She needs to know the truth about God. And I would say she also needs that this, this self-made, um, all things put together, everything in control, lifestyle, this, the way she's, she's, you know, she's achieving everything, she needs to be delivered from this illusion of self-sufficiency. 
She cannot earn her way into eternal life. And she needs to be. She needs to let go and be, become a receiver of gift from God, and not. And this illusion that she can't. She can't control everything. She can't climb her way up into heaven. So she needs these things. And so what happens is that, um, that uh, Jesus, through Paul, he, uh, Paul comes to her, and they uh, they sit down by this brook, and basically they have a Bible study. You know, they, they sit by this river outside of Philippi and they, they talk and they have this kind of they, this nice conversation. They talk about, and Paul points out to her, Jesus is the fulfillment of these Hebrew scriptures, that Jesus is the reality of God come to earth. And then, and so she comes to an understanding of the truth. And even the, the way she comes to understanding of the truth is not something that she earns or grasps for herself. That it says, notice what it says in verse uh, 14. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And I think even that is this, it's this hint, the fact that, that, that she had the sense that even in her coming to an understanding of the truth, it wasn't something that she, she grabbed for herself, but it was something, it was a gift that she received from the Lord. The Lord opened her heart. This deliverance from the idea of self-sufficiency. And so the first person we meet is Lydia, the self-made, put-together, successful, moral businesswoman who comes to an understanding of the truth of Jesus and the illusion of self-sufficiency, that she needs to be a receiver of the gifts from God. And so I wonder, I wonder when you hear that, when you hear about Lydia, does this remind you of your story at all? Is this your story, whether in the past or today? Do you think of yourself as someone, you've been on an intellectual quest, you want to know the truth about God? Do you think of yourself as somebody you've been you kind of this this you've you've been successful at things you've you've made you know on the outside looking in people would say yeah you're a good person you've got you've got it together is this your story do you identify with Lydia the first character we meet in Philippi Jesus meets Lydia as the truth about God. And is the one who can give her eternal life that she can't earn for herself. That's the first person we meet. Now, I want to move to the second character we meet. Oh, no, before we move on, I forgot. The dealer in purple cloth. There we go, Lydia. Sorry, I forgot about you. Okay. Uh, picking up in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So the first person we met, Lydia, all you know, self, self-made, successful, moral woman. The second person we meet is this slave girl, totally on the other end of the social spectrum. Who is this girl? What do we know about this girl? So um, this girl, the word used for girl there, for female, is uh, it implies that she's young. She's probably 10 to 14, so middle school-aged girl. 
She's unnamed. She is owned. Whereas Lydia owned everything. Lydia had had all these goods and these riches. This girl owns nothing. In fact, she is owned. And it says that she has the spirit of prophecy. In the Greek, it says a spirit of python. Like python snake. And it has to do with, you'll have to look this up on the internet later. But basically, this god Apollo, there's a myth about him defeating this python snake monster at the city called Delphi. And it was a place of fortune telling. And so now Apollo had the fortune telling power. And anybody, Apollo's prophetesses were said to have the spirit of python. It's this this long myth. But anyways, so she, she was attached to this Apollo cult, this fortune telling cult. So that she has the spirit of python within her. And, uh, and so, so, so if Lydia was, you know, she was under control, Lydia had, you know, was self-sufficient, this girl is the total opposite. This girl is out of control. She doesn't control anything. She is controlled. She is owned on the outside, literally by others, and on the inside by these spiritual forces. I think the modern equivalent, if you, okay, who, who, how... Who is somebody today that's owned on the outside and the inside? You know, I, I, I imagine somebody who, who, um, who's addicted uh, to substances, addicted to drugs. Um, they have this inner, they're controlled by it. And then also maybe they're, they're, they're controlled, they're sold into sex. They're, they're in the sex uh, 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 trafficking industry. And uh, somebody who's controlled on the outside and the inside, they're owned. This is this, this young woman. What does she need? What does this slave girl need? She doesn't need a quiet Bible study by a babbling brook to talk about the the truth of the divine. That's not what she needs. She doesn't need to be delivered from the illusion of self-sufficiency. That's not what she needs. She needs a stronger one, a more powerful one to come into her life and set her free. She needs a power encounter. That's what she needs. And it says, says this, this, this girl, uh, presumably uh, because of the, the spirit within her, is following, is following Paul around and, and shouting at him. These men are servants of the Most High God. You know, they have come to tell you how to be saved. And, and this is unhelpful to Paul, trying to have con- actual conversations with people. And, uh, and you can tell this, this is one of those stories, you can tell this isn't made up. Because if you're going to make up a story about Paul, and you're like, let's make up stories about St. Paul and make him look good. You'd make up a story that says this girl was following Paul around, shouting at Paul. And then the way you would make the story up would be, and Paul um, was, had been praying about the girl. And he moved in compassion for her. He knelt down and began to pray for her. And No, that's not what it says. What does it say? It says, Paul was annoyed. <laughs> Paul got so annoyed that he said, I, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He's just out of annoyance. See, we, we don't... Remember, Paul is not, he's a flawed, we don't follow Paul, we follow Jesus. Not everything Paul does is perfect, but we follow Jesus. And it's Jesus that sets this girl free. This spirit, this inner, this this dark force that controlled her heart and her spirit, the power of Jesus sets her free from that. The stronger one comes into her life. She finds freedom. And uh, and of course, uh, her owners are, are very unhappy about this. Uh, because they've lost their way of making money. When you, uh, when you hear this story about this, this slave girl, does this, in, does this in any way remind you of your story? Whether in the past or even today. Are there, are there ways that you feel out of control? 
You feel controlled by other things. You feel owned by other things. And it could be spiritual. It could be, it'd be other things. I mean, there, there are lots of things in this world that can own us. There's lots of things we can become addicted to that can control us. Substances, alcohol, prescription drugs that can control us. Needing to, we've got this anxiety, and so we smoke marijuana to try and control our anxiety. Things that can control us. We've got this loneliness, and we find ourselves going back to pornography over and over again that can control us. We've got this sense of, this sense of meaninglessness and this kind of drifting in our lives. So we go shopping, we buy things, things that can control us. Do you feel controlled by things? Do you feel like you need a stronger one to step into your life and set you free? Jesus is the stronger one who sets this young woman free. So we've looked at Lydia, the self-made woman. We've looked at this young girl who's owned on the inside and out. I want to look at a third character now, the jailer. Basically what happens is, uh, the owners of the slave girl, when, uh, when the spirit, now Jesus drives the spirit out, she no longer is fortune telling for them. And uh, the implication is that uh, the, the, uh, the threat that that spirit was is less of a threat than their love of money because it's their love of money. They, they end up being so angry about this. They drag Paul and Silas before the authorities. They make all these accusations against them that are untrue. Uh, the authorities um, throw Paul and Silas into jail after flogging them. So Paul and Silas are beaten, thrown into jail. And that is where we pick up the story. Uh, skip down to verse 23. After they, that was Paul and Silas, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. All right, who is the jailer? We've looked at Lydia, the self-made woman. We've looked at the slave girl owned inside and out. Who's this jailer? What do we know about this jailer? Now, the jailer uh, most likely was ex-military. Philippi was a place, it was a Roman colony common for military to go retire there. And so it, wouldn't be, it would be very likely that somebody who had been in the Roman army retired to Philippi and had his job as, as jailer there. So if he had lived, if he had been in the Roman army for decades, I mean, he had, seen, he had seen the rough side of life. He had lived a violent 
life, a brutal life in the Roman army. And now he's here um, running this jail, and we can tell that he's a, he's a blue-collar, rough-around-the-edges kind of guy. I mean, he's not a sensitive guy. Paul and Silas, um, they're, they're beaten, and later on, at the end of the story, it says that he washes their wounds, but the implication there is that they're come in and they're messed up, but he doesn't wash their wounds when they come in. Instead, he takes them into the darkest, dirtiest cell he's got, And he puts them there. Not only does he chain them up, but he puts their feet in stocks. Now, stocks, maybe you've seen stocks at like Disney World or that kind of thing where it's like you put your head through there and your hands out. You know know what I'm talking about? The wooden thing with the hole in it. Yeah. But these these stocks, they were not the Disney World variety. These stocks, these were basically like slow torture devices. They They were meant to put the legs in as uncomfortable a position as possible. To make, to make it hard to get, be comfortable, lie down, and stretch out. They, they stretch. So, so Paul and Silas, he, Paul and Silas, they're beat up. He does nothing to clean their wounds. And he puts them in the darkest cell. And he puts their legs in these torture devices. And he leaves them there. I mean, not a compassionate man here. A, a rough around the edges kind of guy. And then, when he thinks the earthquake happens. And he thinks that the prisoners have, have escaped. What would normally happen if he lost prisoners... Uh, he would be executed. That was the punishment. And so he thinks he's lost these prisoners, and so what's he do? He's like, well, I don't want them to kill me. I'll just do it myself. I mean, not like a touchy-feely kind of... I mean, he's just like, well, I'm just going to do this. So this, a rough around the edges, a, even a brutal kind of guy. And so what does is, what is the jailer need? What does the jailer need? The jailer, he needs forgiveness from his past, And the strength to live a different way in the present. He needs to be freed from the the, the guilt of sin and the bondage of sin. Forgiveness from the past and strength to live a different way in the present. And you can see see this, this, this different way of life. And the way it's contrasted with Paul and Silas. Here's this jailer who's quite, who's quite uncaring, even brutal. And it's contrasted with Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas come in here. They've been, they've been beaten. They're in jail. They're in, in these stocks. And are, they, don't, they don't go to hatred and revenge. They're sitting there. They're praying. They're even singing, which I, I can't even imagine. But they're not, they're not shouting at the jailer or cursing at the jailer. And then even when the earthquake happens and Paul and Silas, they could have escaped. And that would have been the life of the jailer. They could have gotten their revenge on him. Instead, they stay put. And they, even, they practically save the jailer's life. This one who had been so unkind towards them. And the jailer, seeing this goodness and seeing, seeing that God is on the side of this goodness, God is not on the side of his brutality, God is on the side of this goodness, the jailer comes and says, what do I need to do to be saved? I am on the wrong side of God. I need forgiveness. I need strength to live a different way. What do I need to do to be saved? And of course, as a practical man, it's a practical question. What do I need to do? Tell me what to do. I'll do, you know, do I need to pay something or sign something or join something? What do I need to do? And Paul, you don't need to do anything. Jesus has done it. He's done it. He's taken your sins to the grave. He's left them there. You're forgiven. He's risen from the dead. And he wants to give you a spirit to empower you to live a different kind of life. He's done it. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him with your past. Trust Him with your present. Trust Him. 
and it says uh, the believer, uh, the jailer believes, and uh, he believes uh, in Jesus. And, and I love the way I love the way it ends because right away we see we see this 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 different way of being for the jailer. It says that he washes their wounds. And I can even picture the jail. Can you just picture the jailer's hands? These like thick fingers and scarred knuckles and dirt under the fingernails. And he's got this cloth and he's dabbing blood off Paul's back. And these, these, these dirty hands, he's got a loaf of bread and he's got a cup and he brings up, hey, let me give you guys something to eat. And it says he's full of joy. He's full of joy. Jesus meets the jailer. And he finds forgiveness and he finds strength to live a different way. When you hear the jailer's story, when you hear this, does this remind you of your story? Is this this, this blue-collar, rough-around-the-edges guy who needs forgiveness and strength to live a new way, does this remind you of your story? Is, did, you, did you have this acute need to feel forgiven from your past, this acute need for strength to live a different way today? Does this remind you of your story? The jailer. He uses big, hefty bike locks. Oh, and, I, and the slave girl used a megaphone. <laughs> I forgot about that earlier. There you go. There you go. Three very different people. Lydia, the self-made woman. Slave girl owned inside and out. The rough around the edges, violent jailer. Three very different people. An Asian, a Greek, a Roman. Upper class, lower class, middle class. Looking for truth. Looking for, looking for freedom, looking for goodness and forgiveness. Three very different people looking for very different things. But they find reality in Jesus. Because Jesus, this is the scope and the power of the good news of Jesus. Jesus is for everyone. And he's for every part of everyone because it is true. Jesus is a thing like, like breathing air and drinking water are things. It is where life is. Because it is true. Jesus loved Lydia. Jesus wanted Paul to meet Lydia and to, that Lydia would know the truth about him, would be set free from this idea of self sufficiency and to, be, uh, to receive gifts, the gift of eternal life from him. Jesus loved the slave girl. Jesus wanted Paul to, to meet the slave girl, and Jesus wanted the slave girl to be set free from this dark power that controlled her. And Jesus loved this Roman jailer. Jesus wanted Paul and Silas to meet this jailer for him to know forgiveness and strength to, to live a different way. All three of them. And he was the king and the savior for each one of these different people. And I, and I, and I love the way, uh, when you read the end of chapter 16, I love the way it ends up. This is what happens. Is that the next morning, uh, the 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 authorities come and they say, Paul and Silas, you're gonna, you, you, we're going to set you free. You need to leave town and, and get out of here. And uh, Paul and Silas, they, they leave uh, the, the jail. And it says they visit Lydia's house. Because remember, Lydia set her house up as like this ministry center. And they, they greet the brothers and sisters there. 
And they get together and they probably would have prayed together, shared a meal together before Paul and Silas left town. And who would have been there when they went to Lydia's house and greeted the brothers and sisters? Who would have been there? Oh, Paul, Silas, and Luke and Timothy, this little missionary team would have been there. Lydia, wealthy Lydia and her household would have been there. Or the Roman jailer, maybe he had some kids, his family would have been there. And then the slave girl, probably abandoned by her owners because she didn't make money for them anymore. This young girl who had no mom and dad comes and joins her new family in Jesus. And they would have sat down, they would have broke bread, they would have shared a cup, they would have prayed together and talked about Jesus. And then Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy would have headed on their way and left behind in Philippi this new little Jesus community, this new little Jesus family uh, to live life together. Let's pray. Jesus, you are... You are the rescuer of this world. You are the king of this world. Father, you are the creator of this world. Spirit, you are the sanctifier of this world. Uh, you are for uh, every person and you are for every part of every person. And um, we, We're just grateful. We're grateful for you. Uh, we're grateful, um, and I just I, th- I thank you for the way you've encountered us in this room, and whether you um, whether you have already rescued us, or for some of us in here, you are you are still calling our names and waiting to rescue us. I know that you are for every person in this room, and those places uh, where they need you to meet them, whether it's intellectual truth or or uh, freedom from addiction or forgiveness from the past, that you are desiring to meet us even now. And even for, for those of us who, who, have, who have been found by you, you desire to continue to rescue us into the present. And so, um, Jesus, uh, may we this morning rest in what you have done, are doing, and will continue to do uh, for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.